to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. the word today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the awesome and privilege that we have tonight to be in your house. God, it is a privilege to be here. God, it's a privilege to be able to sit under the word that's been taught with no compromise. God, it's a privilege and honor that we can throw our hands in the air and tell you that we love you. And may we never take that for granted. And God, we just thank you, God, for our church. We thank you for those that you're adding to our church. We thank you for those even this week that you're going to put us in contact with. That God, we're going to challenge their lives and we're going to see change, God. We're just excited about September the 15th. But we're just as excited about September the 8th. We're just as excited about September the 23rd and on. God, we're excited about every Sunday and every Wednesday, every time that we can be together. We're so excited because, God, we know that you show up. And when you show up, you show out. And God, we thank you for that, God. And we pray just show out in our lives today. Touch us each one and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Keep calm. And carry on. What a great series. I'm loving it already. We're just one message into it. And I'm already excited for Sunday. Looking forward just to talking about how to implement change into our lives. Talking about practical, physical things that we can do in our lives. And and just excited about some of the things that we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing some things different on Wednesday nights. We're going to be having some workshops. And just having time for question and answers on finance, on health and marriage and just different things like that. Just really trying to be practical to lay it out for you because we really believe there's a message of hope here that you need to have for your life. There's a message of hope here for your life. And and we discovered something Sunday. I discovered something Sunday and that is this. I cannot keep calm and carrying on the same way. Come on, there's things in my life that have got to change. Maybe they just may be small things right now, but small things have the tendency to grow big. Everyone loves a cute puppy, but puppies grow up. Everyone loves the puppy breath, but the breath changes. Come on, everyone loves this, but things grow up. It may be small right now, but if something left unchecked in your life, it's going to grow and it could grow into something that could be disabilitating for your life. Oh, pastor, it's only small right now. It may just be a little bit. I preached a message on this once, just a little bit. And what I did is I baked a cake while I was preaching a message and I had all the ingredients and added to the ingredients, I put in a little bit of a leaf because that just blew in and I mixed it in and it was just a little bit and it was okay. And then I took a little bit of dirt and I put it in the cake and I mixed it in and I said, but it's just a little bit. And then my last ingredient was I took a little piece of dog poop. Just a little bit. And I put it into my cake and I mixed it up and I said, now who wants to eat this? No hands went up anymore. But it was just a, just a little bit. 
It's amazing, isn't it, how the little bits of our lives can taint the whole thing. Bible says in Romans that we are to present our bodies, a present, a gift, to give our lives unto God as a pleasing sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service. He's saying that's the least that we can do. So when we serve up our lives with even just a little bit to God, it's not what he wants. And in our lives, we can look and we can say, well, this message is really for them because I know there's key areas in their life that they need to change. But what did we discover Sunday? Our fingers are not pointing out at everyone else but our fingers are where? They're pointing back at ourselves because we're the ones that needs to change. I'm so excited about this series because it's for me. I don't know what you're going to get from it, but it's for me because I need to change. In my life, maybe attitudes, just thought patterns, just different things in my life, I need to change. And I want God to change my life. And I really pray that you sat down with that card. If you didn't receive a card Sunday, there's some on the table just before you leave the sanctuary tonight. I really pray that you sat down with that card and you really ask God, God, would you show me the areas that I need to change? I I believe some of you didn't even have to ask God. You already know those areas, but maybe God was able to pinpoint other things and other areas in your life. And I pray that every day you're looking at that and every day you're challenging your life and you're saying, I'm going to change. I'm tired of hearing people say, I need to change. I want to hear some people say, I'm going to change. Come on now. I want you to look at those things and say, I'm going to change that. Not, I need to change that, but I am going to change that. With the help of God, I'm going to break this addiction. With the help of God, I'm going to break this fear. With the help of God, I'm going to break. I'm going to make myself more presentable. I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to be more spiritual. I'm going to be a good steward with my finances. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I really pray that you're really holding to that because if you aren't willing to change, then you're wasting your time coming to church every Sunday and Wednesday because we're going to be talking about change. And we're going to be talking about what God wants to do in your life. Man, I'm feeling this. It's a hope for your life. It's not just a hope of one day my prince will come. Anyone seen the fairy fairy tales? Someday my prince will come. You know, that's how many people live. A fairy tale that one day I'm going to wake up and Prince Charming's going to be there. He's going to kiss me. All my problems are going to be over. It may work for you. It may happen like that. But let me tell you something. For most, it's not. You know, don't live a fairy tale life. Make things happen in your life. Bring hope to your life. Remember the definition of hope that we discovered on Sunday from the dictionary that we did not like. The definition is this. It's a feeling that what one desires will happen. That's a true definition of hope. A feeling that what one desires will happen. But yet we discovered also that sounds very similar to the definition of stupidity, insanity. Um, why? Because it's doing the same thing over and over again and hoping that something changes. Believing that something will change. And it doesn't. That's insanity. If we don't watch and if hope is just a desire and there's no change, guess what? It's insanity. It's stupidity. It's not going to affect my life. If financially I'm broke, I can hope to be free financially. But if I'm not budgeting my money, if I'm not disciplining myself, if I'm not cutting unnecessary things out of my life, hope all I want. It's not going to change where I'm at. So what was our definition? Our new definition is this, that hope is refusing to stay the same. 
and expecting everything else to change. I'm not expecting everyone else to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to give you the, this on the, the new year. Our, our theme going into the new year is going to be this, be the change. I want that to be the slogan of our lives next year in 2014. Just giving it to you already. God gave it to me when I was on vacation on the beach. And um, God gave it to me. That's what we're going into the new year for. Be the change. A lot of people can turn around and say, I hate my boss. Well, be the change in your workplace. I hate this, I that. Be the change. I want that to be our slogan into the new year. That we can be the change instead of grumbling and complaining about everything else. We can be the change through the help of God. So hope is refusing to stay the same. Look at the scripture we used on Sunday, and we're going to be quoting this maybe throughout the entirety of the course of this series. Philippians 2 verse 13. For those who think they can't do it. New King James says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So it's not just a desire, it's a doing that God wants to work inside of us. The nearly it version says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The New Living Translation says, for God is working in you, giving you, I love this one, the desire and the power. Say with me, desire, Desire. power. Say one more time, desire and power. God's given me the desire, the hope, but he's given me the power, the change to make it happen. The power to be able to do what pleases him. For it is God who is working in you, through you, giving you the capacity, the ability. Don't look at me and say, I can't change. God says you can. God says you can because I've given you not only the desire, but the power to be able to do that. Instead of saying I can't, we need to start saying, come on. Instead of saying I can't make it, we need to start saying, instead of saying I'll never change, we need to say it's time for me to change. It's time for me to do those things because if not, we're going to live in regret and we're going to live in excuse. And we don't want to be there. So Sunday we looked at the four key areas of our life that needed to change. And we're going to be breaking those down and looking at how we can implement change into those particular areas of our life. We talked about physically. We talked about in our bodies, the practical ways. Understanding from 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 and 20 that our bodies are a temple of God. That we were bought with a price. Come on, say with me, a price. We were bought with a high price, the highest price. Money couldn't have bought us a life given. He had to give his life. He died for us. That's how much value there is upon your life, that money couldn't pay for your liberation. Money couldn't set you free. A life had to be given. Jesus had to be your substitute. He had to take your place. And the Bible now tells us what? That it's important that we glorify God, notice, in our bodies and in our spirits. So it's not just a spiritual thing, it's a physical thing too. We've got to glorify God in our bodies. Have you been looking at yourself in the mirror this week and say, God, is my body glorifying you? Need to be doing that. Make the changes. We're going to be talking about that. We talked about financially, being a good steward, first with what we have. Let me say that one more time. A good steward, first with what we have. You don't know how many times I hear words like this. Well, one day when I get my promotion, then I'm going to manage my money. Then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. You know what? We discovered that there's a human behavior principle. So now, or uh, so now, so then, or whatever it went like that. As now, so then. If we don't do it now, we're not going to do it then. 
We need to start doing it now in our lives. Start believing God. We saw Matthew 25, 21. You who are faithful in the little things, guess what God says? I can trust you and entrust with you greater things. God wants greater things. Listen, greater things is not a bigger car. Greater things is not a nicer house. If God wants that for you, that's great. But that's not where true happiness lies. Go to Hollywood, see the size of their houses, see the cars that they're driving, the garages. You know, it's not nice. I knew a guy once that found, true story, he found in one of his barns a Porsche 911 Turbo limited edition that he forgot he had. True story. He forgot he had a limited edition Porsche 911 Turbo. I wished I knew he forgot he had that and I could have discovered it before he did. Does anyone say amen right there? But you see, that's not where happiness is. Happiness cannot be found in all the stuff. And when we talk about God wanting to give you more, it's not that God wants you all to be millionaires. and God, but God wants us to be content in everything we have, but God wants to give to us so we can give to other people. To be a good steward with what we have and to be thankful over that. We talked about in our relationships. You know, an area that many don't want to change, but yet we're miserable. If you were to sit down and talk to most couples, unfortunately, today, they would say, you know what, marriage isn't everything I thought it was. They're not a great advocate for young men and young women who need to get married because they look at them and say, my God, if I knew what I was doing, I would have never got married. Listen, we've got to change that because marriage is a gift that God gave to mankind for what? For them to be together, for them to pre-quote procreate and to see blessings that would come upon this earth. Marriage is a gift from God, but yet people are unwilling to change, but they would rather live in the misery of a failing marriage and live in the misery of having no relationship with their kids. I need to change in those areas. We need to change. In our spiritual growth, we talked about avoiding complacency because complacency is a current that will work against your life. And all these are areas that we need to change in our lives. And most of us would turn around right now and say, yeah, I need to change in those areas. But yet we don't. Most of us, who, who would say right now, I need to change one of those areas in my life? Come on, 100% probably would have to admit that. Even if you don't, we're just admitting it for you because turn to your neighbor and say, you do need to change. You do need to change. It would be a good thing for you to change, you know. But so why is there a resistance? If we know there's a need to, why so many times is there a resistance to it? Why do we fight against it? Why do we refuse to see what we don't want to see? Why do we refuse to hear what we don't want to hear? Selective listening. And it's not just an old grandpa thing. It happens in a lot of people today. Okay? Why is it that we don't speak what we don't want to speak? Because it's our way of resisting the change that we so desperately need in our life. If I just stay away from it, then I don't need to change it. Well, if you're staying away from it and you're not changing it, it will never change. It's never going to get better. It's not going to grow better. It's going to grow worse. Anything left neglected, your garden, guess what? It's going to grow weird. Weeds, it's going to look bad. It's not going to look good. Anything neglected is never going to be better than what it was before. It's always going to be worse. Turn a blind eye to it, bury your head in the sand. But guess what? It's still going to be there. It still needs your attention. And tonight we're going to look at seven key areas or reasons, I think, why we avoid change. 
Why it's an obstacle to us and why it's something that we don't want to be a part of in our lives. Are you ready? Number one, because change is change. Why don't we change? Because change is change. Come on, change is change. That's why we don't change. It's tough, you know. It's, it's hard to do things different. It's hard to be different. It's hard instead of the morning to get up and have a fried breakfast, to eat some granola bar and to pour some stuff over the top of it that might as well be just water out of the sink because skim milk don't taste good. Come on, it's hard sometimes to change. There's a resistance to change in our lives. Why? Because it's different. It's different. You know, one of the worst things I think that you have to change in your life on a, on a practical, everyday basis is a cell phone. Anyone had to change their cell phone lately? You get to know where everything is and how everything is, and it's so frustrating sometimes just to change it. You lose numbers, things aren't the same. So we can resist change because change is change. It's going to mess up my normal routine. It's going to, I'm comfortable at what I do. I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm in my comfort zone. Don't mess with me because it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take work. Anyone ever used that excuse before? Change is change. Don't want it. It's served me well up to now. Come on, we've got to change. Here's another reason why we don't change because of fear. Because of fear. Because of fear. It's amazing as we discovered on Sunday how many people will stay in a known bondage instead of walking into unknown liberties because of the fear of the unknown. That they don't know what will happen. I used to have a teacher at school when our faces were down and we'd be frowning, we'd be going along. He'd say, smile because what you're worried about may not even happen thought, how true, you know, we concern ourselves, we allow the enemy to grip us, to bind us with fear. The reason why most animals get run over on the road is not because they didn't have the time to make it across, it was because that split second where they turned and they froze because of the fear, then guess what? It's over, it's done. You see, fear will not only paralyze you, fear will destroy you. It will take you down. Second Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. So what do we see? God has not given us fear. God did not intend us to live by fear. So therefore, if we're fearful, if we're afraid, if we don't want to change because of fear, we've got to realize that's in opposition to God. Fear is in opposition to God. Fear is the enemy of faith. Come on now. Fear is the enemy of faith. It's the opposition. Come on. Listen to this. Fear came knocking on the door. Faith opened it and there was no one there. Fear came knocking on the door. And when faith opened it, there was no one there. You see, fear many times is something we've made up, prefabricated in our, in our minds. Something that we've put in place, but the reality of it, it's not something many times that is tangible. It's something that will destroy us. Look at the economy. What about four or five years ago now when everything tanked? Do you know why it tanked? It didn't just tank because the economy went down. It really tanked because of fear. 
the politicians, the, all the economists, all these people, they said, man, there's a crash, it's going to happen. So what happened? People grabbed their money out of their stocks. People took it out of this. Businesses refused to start doing and hiring anymore and everything. And because of fear, yes, there was a problem already, but fear what multiplied the problem. The biggest problem that we have, in fact, government, in fact, politicians, most of the way they run the country and get the vote of people today is through fear. That if you don't do this and if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. Inflicting fear into people's lives. So instead of people making a sound judgment, people make a fearful judgment. But what's the scripture? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Thank God for the power because we need that power because that's the power that works with our hope to bring about a change. Remember that? So he's given us power and love and what? A sound mind. Say with me controlled thinking. That's what it means, a sound mind, that we can have a controlled mind. We can have controlled thinking that when the enemy comes in, we need to shut him down really quick and say, hold on a second, I'm not going to live bound by fear because God's not given me a spirit of fear. We've got to watch because fear will keep us dealing with what we do know, what's familiar. And and struggling through life instead of enduring the change, we must change. God wants to bring life to you. Fear wants to take life from you. You've got to realize that. If you're bound by fear and you're afraid of, what if I do this and what if I do that? Come on, we've got to trust God. He's given us the power to overcome those things. It's not of God to be bound by fear, but yet so many of us can avoid change because of it. Number three, change can be discouraging. Have you ever been discouraged by change? Let me use this example. You know, you know you need to lose a little bit of weight. And so therefore you go on a diet. You work really, really, really hard. And you go and weigh in the week later and you've gained a pound. can be discouraging when it seems like you're giving everything to it. You've been working out. You've been doing things. You've been doing all these kind of things. Fear or change can be discouraging. I don't care who you are, but when things don't happen, when we think they should, and in the manner we do, we can so easily get discouraged. Look at that word discourage. Notice what's in there, the word courage, but dis wants to destroy the courage. It wants to take from the courage inside of you. So it's easy to get discouraged, but you've got to realize this. The problems that you find yourself in did not get that way overnight. So therefore, the solution's probably not going to come overnight also. So you've got to realize we're not in a sprint here. We're maybe in a marathon. So it maybe took us a number of years to get the way we have. So it may take us a number of weeks or months or maybe even years to get where we're going. And as long as we're moving somewhere, we're doing something. We're being successful. We're being productive in our lives. And we've got to do that because discouragement wants to stop us. Discouragement wants to say, what's the point? You're never going to make it there. But as long as you keep taking it one step, at a time. Come on, you're one step, you're two steps, you're three steps closer to it than what you were before. Because change has to be a lifestyle. Has to be a lifestyle that you're living. It's not just for a moment. What do they say? It takes 40 days to make or break a habit. Takes time. Nothing like discouragement that will stop you on the journey of change. 
Here's what I hear many times. Well, Pastor Philip, I want change in my marriage. So you know what I've done? I've been really nice to my spouse this week and I've done everything. But the nicer I seem to be, the more ugly they are to me. Okay, so what, what are you asking me? Well, they're saying, well, what should I do? And I tell them, well, you've got to do what is right to do. What is right to do? Is it right to be nice to your spouse or right to be ugly to your spouse? What's the answer? Nice to be right. Okay, so if they're reacting in the wrong way, don't allow them to stop you from what, doing what is right. And when you sow seeds of what is right, you're eventually going to reap a harvest of what is right. But can you see how discouragement can come along the way? So what do we do? Well, I'm just going to be ugly too. And then nothing is solved. Can you see how discouragement wants to destroy us from getting where God wants us to be? The Bible tells us in James, I think it's 4.17. I think it's somewhere over there. It says this, to he that knoweth what to do and doeth it not, To him, that is sin. If you know what's the right way to treat your spouse, if you know it's the right way to treat your body, your finances, if you know these things, and by the end of this month, you're going to know these things, hopefully better than you do right now. If you don't do those, the Bible says it's sin. Change wants to discourage us from doing what we need to do. Number four, I love this one. You know why many times we avoid change? Because of rebellion. Say with me, rebellion. The first thing that you're going to say right now is, I'm not rebellious. Because the thought of rebellion many times is like a teenager when they refuse to do anything and be. And you can remember those days when you were a teenager and you were in that state of rebellion and you didn't want to do anything and everything for you. But I want to give you the definition of what rebellion is. Are you ready? Rebellion is refusing to do what we know we should do because of pride or selfishness. Rebellion is refusing to do what we know we should do because of pride or selfishness. Anyone in here put your hand up and say, man, I can be rebellious at times in my life. Come on, my hands are up. Because of my pride, because of my selfishness, I can find myself in a state of rebellion. We see this a lot in relationships. He hurt me, so it's not my place to say sorry. You know that's rebellion. Stay with me, that's rebellion. That's rebellion. Because I'm refusing to do what I know I should do because of my pride or my selfishness. That's rebellion. And we don't think of it in that way, but it's so true. Why should I be the one that says sorry when they're the one that needs to be sorry for what they've done? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one is forgiveness is your responsibility. And you know what else I'm going to say this? Forgiveness is one-sided. What do you mean by that? It's your responsibility to make it right with God and that person. And whatever they choose to do on the other side is not your responsibility. God has just asked you to do what's your responsibility. Because we're changing what's ours. We make it right before God and then we make it right with them. If they want to slap us again, then we forgive them because it's our responsibility. A lot of people want to forgive when someone forgives them. Oh, and then I can forgive them. That's not really true forgiveness. That's easy. Forgiving is when someone, what, does something to you and it can be hurtful and hard in your life. But if we don't watch, we can get so bound 
with rebellion. Here's the scripture, James 4 verse 17. I was right. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is rebellion. To him it is sin. To him it is going against God's word. And rebellion, unfortunately, wants to play itself out in refusing to forgive people. Listen, I, wanna, I, I just want to share with you something today, and that is this. I know for some of you, forgiveness is something tough to do. I'm not trying to belittle some of the struggles and the things that you've gone through. It's amazing how many people have been sexually abused. I mean, it absolutely blows me away to see the abuse that people have gone through in their lives and the hurts and the pains that they carry throughout the course of their lives. But if we don't watch, we can refuse to forgive that person. And here's why. Because we can think that if... Well, let me jump. Let me say this first, okay? Having unforgiveness in your life is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. Unforgiveness in your life is like you drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. It doesn't. It kills you. It kills you. But here's the reason why it's so tough for us. But here's the reason why we need to do it. Forgiveness doesn't make them right. But it sets you free. Forgiveness doesn't make it right. But it sets them free. If you forgive someone who sexually abused you, here's the fear that we have. Well, then I'm condoning or I'm letting them get away with what they've done. Let God handle them. Give them to God. As long as you have unforgiveness in your heart, you're holding on to them. As you forgive, you release them to God and God can take care of it. How many knows God can take care of his own? God can handle stuff. But then what happens? Then my life becomes free. I'm no longer bond, uh, in bondage to that past. But you see how rebellion, it's amazing how we can allow it to rob us. And it will do a lot more to us than we even realize in our lives. So sometimes we can avoid change just because of rebellion and having unforgiveness and just not really knowing what to deal with and to do in our lives. Number five, I love this one. Are you ready? The reason why a lot of people don't change is because they are just flat out lazy. It's just flat out laziness. That's all it is. Scripture here says 2 Corinthians 3 verse 10. For even when we were with you, we commanded you in this. If anyone will not work, guess what? He don't deserve to eat. Come on, God, throughout the entirety of the word of God, you see it, the main vein. God doesn't look upon laziness with joy. He frowns upon it. In Proverbs, it talks about the lazy man who turns on his bed like the hinges on a door. God doesn't want people who are lazy and who are doing nothing. God's given us abilities. And I know some people, you can be handicapped. I know there's some struggles. We understand that. There's exceptions to every rule. But you know what? Even in your hand handicapped state, there is still something that you can do. A lot of people don't want to change because they are absolutely lazy. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure everyone in here knows at least someone like that. Lazy, lazy, lazy. Maybe you're lazy. You need to get out and do it for yourself. Provide for your family. Provide for your future. Provide for what you have because laziness is not going to produce anything of blessing in your life. It's going to take from you. It's going to destroy your life. Number six, reason why people resist change is procrastination. Procrastination. Wow, let's say that one more time. It's a cool word. Procrastination. 
Well, I'm going to change, but not right now. I'm going to change, but maybe tomorrow. Procrastination is where tomorrow is always the day everything will start. And tomorrow, very seldom, if ever, will come in our lives. Well, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll put that off till next week. Procrastination. There has to be action and words, not words with no action. I've got to a place with some people now, to be honest with you, when they say, Pastor P, I'm going to see you on Sunday. I'm going to say, just don't say any more because you're just lying every time you open in your mouth. Don't say nothing. Here's the deal. If you show up on Sunday, I'll be so surprised. So just surprise me on Sunday. Stop saying you're going to do things and you never do it. Too many people say that. Talk is cheap. You know, talk is cheap. We can talk the talk. But we've got to walk the walk. Come on now. We can talk the talk, but we've got to walk the walk. In our lives, we can procrastinate the change. I mean, who really wants to do something? You know, we've got to be honest. You've got to force yourself sometimes to change. You've got to do those things. But yet it's so easy to put it off tomorrow. Nothing will change until we decide to change. And deciding to decide tomorrow is not a valid decision. Let me say that one more time. Nothing will change until we decide to change. And deciding to decide tomorrow is not a valid decision. Tomorrow might never come and it seldom does. Procrastination. And number seven, last but not least today. Refusal to face the truth of your situation. Come and say with me, denial. Denial, 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 denial. Denial is not a river in Egypt. Come on now. Denial is something many people live with in their lives. If everyone else can see it and you can't, just trust me that everyone else is not wrong. If everyone else comes around you in a relationship, if you're dating someone else and everyone can see that that guy you're with is a fixer-upper that belongs on a trash yard or on a junkyard and doesn't belong in your life, if everyone else has that common denominator but you can't see that, you better start trusting everyone else because denial can avoid, you cause you to avoid a lot of things. Oh, but you don't see what I see. Well, obviously we don't and everyone else doesn't either. Come on, denial, denial, denial. If everyone else can see it, trust me, everyone else is not the blind one. Who's blind? You are. You have to first admit there's a need so a change can be made. You have to first admit that there's a need so a change can be made. Pride resists that. But we can deny that. I don't need to change because life is great. We talked about this, I think, Sunday, that sometimes success can be the biggest enemy of change. Failure is not the enemy because when we fail, we have to change. There's a need to change. We, that we have to change in an immediate need many times for change. But success can put us in a procrastination mode. We can go in a coasting mode. We can deny things that's happening. Why? Because we're being successful. Things are happening in our lives. So I wonder what method or methods of avoidance you have in your life. You can look at that list and you can probably say, yep, 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 yep. 
For a lot of us, we can say, yep, 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 seven times because we can identify every one of those. And there's probably another seven or 12 more that we could add to this list. But it's not seeing how big our list can be, but it's learning to say, hold on a second. It's not worth everything I'm going to lose and have to give up and forfeit just because of denial. It's not worth losing my marriage. It's not worth losing my home. Why? Because of fear. It's not worth going through this because of rebellion or that. And you've got to identify these areas in your life of what's causing you to avoid the change. I think the biggest one for me out of all of that is number one, change is change. I mean, that can be tough. Just change is change. But you've got to be so careful because God hasn't given you fear. God has given you great hope that you can keep calm and you can carry on. But in order to carry on, we've got to change. We've got to change. And we've got to allow God to change us. So I just really pray and I just really challenge every one of you to just to keep your hearts and your minds open to what God is showing you in your life. And God can use other people and other circumstances. God can use his word. And as you pray and you seek God, he can show you those things. I pray that you would so be in tune to what needs to change in your life and you would identify the areas that would cause you to avoid that. You would realize and say, hold on a second, I'm not going to be fearful anymore. I can't keep denying this because it's something real and it needs to change in my life. And we're going to see throughout the course of this month, I really believe testimony after testimony after testimony of people throwing their hands in the air and saying, God did something incredible in my life this month. And it was because I had to admit first that I needed to change some things. But when I admitted and said, God, I need your help, then God came in and he was willing to help. You see, if we are unwilling to change, that resists God. That doesn't welcome God into our lives. But when we open up our lives to God and say, God, I'm yours. Would you come into my life? Would you change me? God can do that. Let's just do something. We've got five minutes left for the service. Just find a place to pray. If you want to sit in your chair, if you want to kneel, if you want to come to the altar, if you want to stand, if you want to lay flat out, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, just for a couple of minutes, I'd just like us to get alone with God. Can we do that? Can we just get alone with God and just, and just pour out our heart to Him again? And just really say to God, show me those areas of avoidance in my life? What, what are the areas that I'm avoiding you? And, and what am I using to fight and counteract change? And God, you know, I, I want those things to change because I want a greater walk with you. I want a greater marriage than I've ever had before. I want my body to glorify you more than it's ever done before physically. God, I, I want my finances. I want to be a good steward with what you've given me. God, I I just want to change. God, I need to change. And God, would you help me to do that? Just for a few moments, would you just find a place and pray and ask God? It's not a time just to twiddle your thumbs. This is a time just to really get serious with God. Get real with God so he can get real with you. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. 
At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.